When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. The Opinions, the panel. Lavina Good and Ross Carl with us uh, this morning to experience panellists. Uh, Lavina, Commonwealth Games have been pretty damn good from a New Zealand point of view. Not so good this morning with, uh, with the White Ferns and the Silver Ferns both losing to England. But overall, what's your perspective been? Outstanding. Proud. Proud to be a Kiwi. I was in Sydney last weekend and obviously all the coverage was about Australia, Australia, Australia and we're touching base as to what was happening back here. And then on the back of yesterday, just tremendous um, medals for New Zealand. And I think it's really answered some questions, Smitty, when people have been looking at the framework and the connections in organisations like Cycling New Zealand or even New Zealand Swimming that has copped it over the last two decades as to not being able to produce champion athletes. And I think those organisations have come out and answered their critics. So it's been great for New Zealand to be able to celebrate so many medals, but also, I guess, maybe say the last decade hasn't been too bad in terms of preparation for an event like this. So, yeah, it's been really entertaining watching. I'm looking forward to watching some more. And the thing is, the Kiwis don't always have to win medals for it to be something that's exciting. Zoe Hobbs yesterday getting a six in the 100 metres was absolutely remarkable. And it's stuff like that that just makes you really proud to be a Kiwi. And, yeah, something's definitely going right in terms of Sport New Zealand and what we're able to produce at an international level. It makes you really proud. It does. It does. Uh, Ross Carl, I would imagine the numbers have been good throughout the night uh, on Sky Television as uh, you've been covering uh, all the events on uh, well, five or six channels. It's been great, the coverage. Um, uh, what have been the highlights for you, Ross? So far, I really enjoy Hamish Kerr as a guy. Um, incredibly straight up, quite un-New Zealand-like in the way that he will just say how he feels and what he thinks of himself and how he rates himself. And over the last year or so, his high jumping has just got better and better and better on the world stage and admittedly, you know, the Commonwealth Games high jump isn't the most competitive in the world, and that probably goes across a few of the different disciplines. Um, But watching him succeed and seeing him talk in a way that is unashamedly confident and, you know, probably lacks, I don't know if it lacks humility, but not in the the Kiwi way that we expect humility to be. I really enjoyed him. I kind of uh, think, Ross, uh, if I look back, I mean, and they still got medals, uh, I'm talking about the two sevens teams. Uh, I, I can't think of too many really poor performances um, from uh, our, our team as such. No, no. I, I mean, it was pretty tough watch with the Silver Ferns this morning. Um, they really struggled to get the ball down court, didn't they? And, and they've got a few issues and been very lucky to have Jamaica topple Australia so they don't have to get Australia in the semis and maybe have a chance of making the final. But... 
um, I'd say that's the only thing that I've watched where I've been like, I really don't feel like you're where you need to be right now. No, all right. Um, Lavina, um, the All Blacks named overnight um, and four changes going in from uh, Ian Foster and his uh, selection group. Uh, we, see, we keep saying it, but uh, how important this test match? <laughs> it's not just important, Smitty, for, for the All Blacks to play well. It's not up to the performance. They need a win. They have to come out with a win. And, you know, they're putting a bit of pressure on Cody Taylor, who's who's gone. He was pedestrian, I guess, when he played against Ireland. So he's, he's won cab off the rank. But I think we need to remember that the ABs lost to the box just October last year. And during that time and since then, there's been plenty of performance shortcomings, including some of the senior players. Like, the, the tapping on the shoulder to Cody Taylor could easily happen to Retallick or Barrett or Dane Coles or even Whitelock. Like, this group has been brilliant for the All Blacks in recent years, but not so much recently. So a lot of questions will be answered. I really don't understand why Dalton Papali hasn't been picked. I reckon throughout the Super Rugby campaign, he was the best open sider out there, and I, I really reckon he deserved to crack. I like the selection of Caleb Clark, but he has to get the ball. Don't just pick someone out there that is electrifying on the wing, like you've got Will Jordan on the other side, if they're not going to get the ball to him. So this is the first test for the All Blacks in South Africa, I think, since 2000. And 18, and I'm sure the box had a good look at that performance Ireland had against the All Blacks. They had heaps of balance in attack, and they had a really strong maul, and you can expect that plus many, many other things from South Africa. So plenty of questions to be answered, lots of pressure on the senior playing group, and a tremendous amount of pressure on Ian Foster. A good performance won't crack it. A victory will do it. So let's see how they go. Lavina, can you remember a time in New Zealand rugby where a coach and uh, his captain have been more vilified? No, not so much as now. No, I can't actually. I think really now the questions are being asked and and it's easy to drop a couple of players and bring others in, but the New Zealand rugby public demand a performance from a side that is very well nurtured financially and emotionally supported by a country and those questions will be continued to ask unless the All Blacks start cracking up some victories. They've got an area of concern of player management not standing up to what they should be doing, and whether or not the leadership is stemming from Ian Foster, I think we'll find out just this weekend how much faith those players have in their coach. If they put in a performance that is good enough for a win, then I think Fozzie gets to breathe another day of relief. But if they lose then I expect the acts to come willing for sure. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is looming. There's no doubt about it. And he, he will fully know that as well, uh, Ian Foster, I'm sure. But uh, here's the thing uh, for me, Ross, which slightly does disappoint me about the whole thing, is that I don't think I've uh, seen so many texts come into uh, this particular station, uh, calls and, and just talking to people who actually are willing the All Blacks to lose because they want people out. I mean, it's almost unprecedented for me. I mean, we've had flat patches over the years, but I don't think to this extent. No, certainly the winning percentage when you look at the professional era. I think if you look back to maybe Ruben Thorne and John Mitchell, maybe back then there was a bit of pressure on the captain and coach, but still they were winning with a very high winning percentage. I, I can understand because people saw a team at odds, at sea, um, in that series against Ireland, with no idea on attack, um, lots of trouble reading the Irish offence. They couldn't dominate the collision. 
they were not doing their line out offensively or defensively very well. They were struggling at set piece. They weren't clearing out at the breakdown. They were getting isolated. They were at they just weren't playing like you expected All Blacks team to play, and it's not the start of something. It's something that's been building for years and years and years. So I can kind of understand it, and I feel like people who are feeling that way are kind of justified because we've seen a very slowly, slowly mentality to you know whether or not they should change this, and a lot of people just feel like a Band-Aid should be ripped off. When I look at the South Africans and I look at the Irish and I think whether these two test matches are a chance for Ian Foster to turn it around, I think because of the change in styles, it probably is. You know that they're going to be physical at the breakdown. You know they're going to put up box kicks. But you also know that they're not going to test the defences the way the Irish did. So there's going to be a lot more certainty in the All Black defensive system because that's not where really where they're going to get hit. The main issue for them is winning the collision, and they haven't done it well. And against the box, they're probably going to struggle to do it well as well. And especially with Malcolm Mark starting, you'd imagine that that's where they're trying to hit the All Blacks, right? They want to hit them at the collision. They want to hit them at the breakdown, get them on the back foot, and then dominate them. And just, I just can't see the All Blacks getting up this weekend if they can't win that area. And on paper, it probably looks like they probably shouldn't. No, on paper, that doesn't look as if they're as physical as South Africa, I've got to say, and that includes, for me, uh, the bench. Uh, Lavina, uh, NPC starts this weekend, so uh, are we Bay of Plenty, are we? Always, mate, Bay of Plenty. In fact, they're paying 31 bucks, just so you know. I put a little sneaky on them half an hour ago in preparation for this conversation. We came sixth last year, but, you know, we've got a good chance. Anyone's got a good chance in this competition. I like the fact... For the first time in 12 years, all 14 teams get a chance to play for the one trophy, albeit they will be in separate groups. But I do like the fact that it will um, bring all the fans together to try and aim for something right at the very end. But, yeah, the Bay have got Mike Delaney as coach for this season for the first time, so it was worth a little sneaky bet. And hopefully they can maybe topple their cousins, like I told, the defending champions. who have Damien McKenzie there, who will look to be a shining light to try and say, hey pick me for something more important at a later date. I, I'm, I know the MPC kicks off now and, and I show an interest in it, but there's still six rounds of the NRL to go before the finals kick in. And for me, the MPC is just a little bit of an entree treat for the main event that happens later. But as soon as that NRL is finished and everyone's trying to go for the shield, I'm sure the enthusiasm will pick up definitely for me anyway, Smitty. Okay, uh, Labina, that's, uh, we might just have a, because you're Bay of Plenty, I'm Hawks Bay, we might just have a little side bet ourselves uh, on a forthcoming fixture this, um, this particular season. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, um, I come from an area of, of, of pretty good produce, so if you want to pick one and, and, uh, and put it on the line, I'll be quite happy to. Uh, Ross Carl, uh, where are your allegiances for the NPC this year? And um, it becomes very busy, of course, on Sky because covering all these games and some double headers, I, too, I think, with Heartland games too. That's right, and we've got some club football coming up this weekend as well, as well as the NPC. It's a lot of rugby. This is the most rugby we've ever done on Sky in a year this year um, with the way that we're covering the NPC, the way we're covering Heartland the way we cover the NPC. There's just rugby everywhere. And the team's doing a really good job of getting to all these games and getting them to air. Um, but to answer your question, um, I'm a County's Monaco guy. Uh, we started against Otago this week. And uh, I am always uh, <laughs> hopeful that we'll go well, but it's been a few years. So, um, so yeah, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't worry too much about where they come on the table. 
Okay, so we've got Gandhi's Monaco, we've got Hawke's Bay, and we've got Bay of Plenty in the conversation. Uh, we've got Aroha coming up with the news uh, very shortly, and then when we come back, uh, Lavina, I'm going to give you your soapbox, and we'll talk about the Warriors. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Lavina, good with us this morning, as is uh, Ross Carl. Uh, the two panellists, and uh, let's talk a little bit of uh, league, shall we, uh, Lavina? And uh, during the week announced by the Warriors, or two announcements really, uh, we've got Andrew McFadden coming in as the recruitment manager from here on in, uh, and uh, Richard Agar coming from the Leeds Rhinos across to uh, be one of the assistant coaches for next year. So it looks like they're getting their ducks in a row in terms of their uh, coaching unit. What do you make of that? Yeah, they've got to get rid of this season. That's what they have to do. It's such a shame that the Warriors are now playing to avoid the silver spoon. And as soon as the Warriors got in that position, it's desperate rugby league from them, as we saw against the Melbourne Storm. I mean, the Storm had lost four games in a row and come up against the Warriors at home and made the Warriors look very pedestrian indeed. I I like the idea of McFadden coming in as a recruitment officer. So much is heavily involved in terms of recruitment for rugby league that it's a half-decade plan. We've seen that uh, with the Penrith Panthers over the last five years where they started their recruitment policy six years ago and it's just paying dividends now with the Premiership last year and leading the way this year. So that's a five-year plan in the making. I think McFadden will bring great insight as to the future of the sport and maybe try and keep some of those kids that are all speckled across the NRL at the moment signing off on contracts with the Roosters and the Bunnies and just about any other Sydney and Brisbane side that are trying to snap every single player up. So not a bad move. Um, I just think the fans would like to see something a little bit more respectful from the Warriors out on the pitch. It's going to be tough taking on the Bunnies this week with Juz Tavanga and Chanel Harris. Tavita looks as though they won't be playing due to injuries from that Melbourne. And Stacey Jones, for some strange reason, has decided to put Wade Egan in the halves combination. I think it's the sixth time that they've mixed up that half combination for the Warriors. But that's Stacey's choice. He's the coach. I'm not. I just think it's so sad for the Warriors at the moment that they're trying to avoid a wooden spoon. It's a a tough competition, but it can be played so simply at times, and all you need to do is get in the top half of it to earn respect from the fans that will continue to next year. And I think those loyal South Auckland Rugby League fans have been taunted throughout the year from the Warriors. It's great to have them at home, but to think they're not in that top eight. They certainly had a roster at the start of the year to secure a position in that top eight. And now we look beyond that to next year with a new coach, new assistant coach, hopefully a recruitment officer that has developed a recruitment policy that can make things look good over the next five years. I guarantee the Warriors won't be looking at winning a premiership next year, but if they have a five-year plan, then those fans will finally be rewarded, Smitty. Yeah, they'll finally be rewarded. At least they'll get some home games as as well, uh, Lavina. But uh, for me, Ross, and, and Lavina makes a very good point there, that you, you look at the start of the season uh, where everything was uh, looked as if it was aligning quite nicely. Uh, you could not have predicted how much would go wrong in that time, uh, and, and including you know, sacking your coach, uh, you know, players basically just walking out, players deciding not to come to New Zealand when they knew full well that it was a New Zealand franchise. I mean, what more can they go can go wrong, Ross? I mean, ha- surely they've hit rock bottom. <laughs> well, they're not at the bottom of the table yet, but um, yeah, there's been plenty that's gone wrong. I 
But the worry for me is that it's a fairly familiar thing, isn't it? Maybe not with the amount of things that have happened and maybe with some of the people who have bought in in the first place that people questioned and then have gone. Um, but, you know, it's not uncommon for us to go into a Warriors season and go, well, this is a team that looks like a top eight team, only to see them come right at the bottom of the table. Um, it's over the, the 20 odd years, uh, I'd say that almost half of them would probably have that same conversation. So for them, I, I really like what Levine is saying about a long term plan. I really like that they're bringing back Kiwis from Australia to represent this side and play, you know, and be here for the side, considering what's happened this year with players walking away who don't have the, the heartfelt connection to the Warriors. Um, that to me, that's a positive sign. I like that they're, they're backing Kiwis to go well in what should be a Kiwi team. Um, well, I suppose we have to see where it goes, but I'm sure we'll have the same conversation next year. You know, this is a top eight team. They've got the players to do it. Um, <laughs> the proof will be in the pudding. It will be uh, in the pudding. Uh, some serious eating to be done, I'm, I imagine. Uh, September 25th in Manchester is the date that's now been confirmed, Lavina, for Joseph Parker's next fight, a career-defining fight, they, aren't they all, uh, against Joe Joyce. Uh, so we're going to see Joe back in action shortly. Yeah, I'm amped. I'm amped about it. I mean, this has been a plan in the making, I think, since April when discussions first happened in terms of this uh, about taking place. But we have a date and we also have a venue in Manchester. Uh, and the way I see it, uh, Smitty, the winner gets a crack at maybe the heavyweight world title. Joyce is ranked one and two by the WBO and WBC, and it's probably the biggest fight of the 36-year-old's career. Parker, at 30 years of age, he's uh, had a couple of losses and is looking in fine form. So he's taken off for England at the moment and is training in preparation for this uh, bout. Both of them need the win because that's when they get a crack at the world title. Joyce is running out of time and he really, really needs this victory under his belt, so to speak. Uh, he's unbeaten in 14 pro fights, 13 knockouts. It's not going to be an easy one for Joe Parker at all, but he's looking in fine form. And I think in terms of preparation, he's in the right place for it. It'll be an absolute cracker. I'm really looking forward to this bout. Yeah, and it uh, should sell pretty well, Ross, I would imagine, uh, on Sky because it's been a while. And uh, uh, as uh, Lavina pointed out, I, I think for Joseph Parker, if he loses this one, I I'm not quite sure what the future holds. Still a relatively young man, but needs wins. Oh, that's 100% for sure. He now is a guy who is kind of one of those gatekeepers to the heavyweight title, isn't he? He really is probably realistically a guy that you need to beat to have your shot at the title, and that's the way that uh, Joe Joyce is going. If you look at the list of people that Joe Joyce has fought, um, he's really built his way up to a Joe Joseph Parker level. Bermain's Deferne had, a, had a, um, a WBA belt. Brian Jennings used to have the fastest hands in the division. Carlos Takam, who really made Joe fight hard to beat him. There's some really good guys that he's beaten and he's built up. He's a big man. He's bigger than Joe. He has knocked a whole bunch of people out. This is by no means an easy fight for Joe Parker. But what I like about Joe right now, and it's probably the big change since he was with, um, with Kevin, was when he was with Kevin, he would look to the corner constantly. You know, he needed to seek Kevin's advice. He, he, he didn't have the ring knowledge or the understanding of how to follow the game plan. In a way, I think maybe that was part of Kevin's plan to keep Joe um, on board. But Joe wasn't sure of what he was trying to do. And I think under Andy Lee, we've seen him have a better understanding of his game plan, a better understanding of how to adjust in the ring and not just have one in and out and try to throw fast punches um, kind of game plan. So I'm, I'm really happy to see Joe getting into a fight like this, considering how he's improved. 
he should win this. But as ever with Joe, the question is how much does he want it? And we've seen in the past that he hasn't wanted enough. He hasn't thrown enough big punches in the big fights. He hasn't got inside and do the business when business needs to be done. So this is his chance. He better want it because this guy will knock him out if he doesn't. Well, okay. Uh, some interesting thoughts there uh, from both Lavina and uh, Ross Carl. I've got to ask them uh, before we let them go, though. Uh, what are you looking forward to most this weekend, Ross Carl? We've got uh, the All Blacks, we've got the NPC, we've got the Commonwealth Games. What are you most looking forward to? Oh, it's the All Blacks. Smitty, I barely get up at three in the morning to watch an All Blacks test these days. It's far too much hard work. I usually watch it on record, but I'm going to be getting up for this because there's just so much on this for Ian Foster, for Scott Robertson, for all the players on the side, you know, for the New Zealand public. This game is just huge. So I'm really looking forward to that. And Lavina? Yeah, I'm in com games mode at the moment. I'm um, interested in to see how the Silver Ferns can back up from that 10-goal loss to England and the fact they take on Jamaica instead of Australia is an interesting uh, one to get through to the semi-finals and also the Black Sticks. They had a loss uh, to Australia in the hockey, but I think they're starting to play pretty good defeating South Africa. So I'll be saturated with the Commonwealth Games all weekend. I'm a little nervous to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and watch the All Blacks in case they lose. I'm going to have to catch a replay on that one, I reckon. <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, Lavina, good. Uh, Ross Carl, uh, thanks very much for your input this morning. I've enjoyed your thoughts and uh, have a terrific sport watching weekend. It is 10.42 here on SENZ and we'll have another panel on Monday morning, of course. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.